0: Vermont Viewpoint is a public affairs program produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com.
1: Hi there, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Uh, Joining us this morning... um, Uh, is Joey Butendorf, who is the Senior Chef Instructor at Capstone Community Kitchen. Um, We had a little problem in communications this morning, and we're hoping that Joey will call us back at uh, 244-1777. We sort of lost uh, connection. But fortunately, I can talk about Capstone till forever. Um, Joey is one of the most exciting and amazing chefs I have ever met. She has got the energy... I don't know of how many people, but she's got it. And she runs a, a kitchen um, at Capstone in Barry. Um It's about, I guess, 10, 10 or 12 people in the class. I videotaped it one time and had so much fun. Everybody enjoys it. Um, and it's for um, underprivileged people, people that need a, a hand up um, to get a job. And she has got one of the highest placement rates um and when she gets back on the phone, she can clarify it for us. But it's probably up in the 80s and 90s percent of um, um, of employment. And um, when we t- videotaped her class, she was teaching – it was a brand-new class, so she was sort of showing them what to do. Uh, she was making chicken soup, <laughs> and I loved – I just loved watching her um, prepare the chicken for the soup. I, I usually make it a mangled mess um and an amazing fish dish um and um and it, it was just everything was was fabulous and uh, her energy and her det um uh, attention to detail was what amazed me um and the kids were just the, the kids the uh, young people were very just fascinated watching her um and i had a chance to talk to the students and to um, I, you know listen to them about what they what they were excited to learn while they were in the the next couple of weeks with Joey and um, to get a placement some of them may not all be going into um cooking but most of them um do and it's also just good skills to learn it's uh attention to detail it's organization it's um uh I don't know. Just all the things they they learn. It's also um, the pre- preparation, planning ahead, that sort of thing, and they get their food. Um, what amazes me, and I was, I'm hoping Joey will join us. What amazes me is that um, she doesn't quite know what they're going to prepare, because they get food from uh, the food shelf. Um, and other places, just restaurants will give them give them food. And she's got to make up a menu, right? That would just make me crazy. Um, I have to think ahead here. And she um, she'll prepare these meals, teach them things. And um, what we had was was just great. I think the photographer that was with me was thrilled. He was there. Um, and then um, and they went through um, COVID like everybody else did, and that kind of changed the way things. Um, The way things were for them, Um, but she um, uh, she has an amazing background and she's worked all over the world just about, and she's had a lot of mentors and um, just uh, just, when I can't, uh, she just knows the recipes off the top of her head, and I was going to ask her when she joins us is um, what um, how, how you know when you look at a piece of steak and you make something fabulous out of it how do you know what goes with it how do you do you have these recipes in your head um and you know how it, how does it all come together um you also in your pantry i don't know about joey i'm sure she's got a, little, a lot more in her pantry than i do but um it's there it's what you've got to work with so how do you, does your mind work quickly enough to create a soup to nuts dinner um which is just absolutely fabulous. Um, so COVID came and went, and um, they've made it through, and they're back running. Um, they have a new class. I'm going to be going to the graduation um, at the, the end of August, and and then we had the disaster. And the there is a uh, food pantry in um, Capstone that Joey and her um, uh, students um, stock and there's all sorts of things there that that the community helps stock um but the actual food dinners is is prepared by Jerry uh Joey and her um uh and her staff so um and everybody is welcome to to use this food shelf and i think we had the Sue Minter on who's the executive director of Capstone and she um was on the video with us and talking about um how many people have um especially during covid have um used the food shelf the food pantry and um how how much it's been used and and so many different types of people um everybody was affected by covid and um and now it's um everybody's affected by the flood and the kitchen has um has um, double timed a little bit and and has um, um st- started to prepare the food and um make it make it available for people um and i'm I have to find out how how they actually get the food because so many other places that would normally provide the food have been um impacted by the flood itself um so um I know capstone um was damaged a little bit, and everybody's uh, worked to uh to um prepare the food and i mean to m- make the kitchen safe and clean um that's the part that um, that really you have to double think about about restaurants that were impacted and how they get the the kitchen back to um being safe and um uh, being clean and being free from from whatever was in that kitchen from the the mud and the flood um it was just staggering um so um so they've they've been working very hard to keep the the uh, food pantry stocked, and um knowing the knowing this group, i bet they've also been out um a lot of the clients from Capstone are not able to make it in to Capstone um as many of the people in Barry City and around the area are um are just stuck um and so they, they really go out of their way to make sure that food gets delivered. And um, um, so I I was trying to think about Joey's background. She's done, like, resorts um, and just different places that we wouldn't think of normally as uh, being having chefs, and that's part of your career. Very exciting. Um, and so I don't know how many of you know, I know that they would want um, a lot of, Um, uh, Supplies and help And I'm sure when Joey joins us That she will um, let us know What they need from us Hi there, this is Pat McDonald Your host for Vermont Viewpoint On WDEV We're hoping Joey's going to join us any minute So hang in there Um, I can just keep talking about Capstone All day though if I have to um, I have always thought it's the greatest program, um, if you qualify to be in the program. It's um, uh, it's a pretty much a guaranteed job after you're finished in a wonderful industry. Um, Joey tells me stories about her friendships with other chefs and how they all sort of um, support each other and supported each other during COVID. And it's a very tight-knit group. Um, and I think it would be in a wonderful, if you've got the flair, you've got to know what you're doing. But it's a great um, uh, field to be in, and it's a, a wonderful group of people. They were work... okay. Hi, Joey. Hey, Pat. How's it going? Oh my God! I must owe you a hundred lunches. I'll cook next
2: time. <laughs> oh, we'll <laughs> so, figure it out. Don't worry. I know, dear. I love you. Um, so listen, I've been. Hang on. I'm going to get people... to a quiet spot real quick. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've been
1: talking to everybody about how wonderful you are and how amazing the uh, the academy is, and that we videotaped you. Um, and I I have to Thank say you I told so how much. So much I love watching you uh, prepare the the chicken. I don't do it as well as you do when I take the chicken off the bone. I just sort of rip it, but that's another story. Um, and <laughs> so we got to the part past COVID, and we've we're now into the disaster and. Um, I'm sure you guys must have been trying to stock the um the the kitchen, the um soup kitchen um for, for your customers and your Yeah.
2: Family. What what happened? Yeah, what it's been do? busy. Yes. So, you know, since we saw each other and had a blast cooking together, thank you okay. for coming. Um no problem. We've been busy, yeah. We graduated those students that you saw. We'll start there, and they're fabulous. And And four out of five of them are working, which is great. And they have awesome jobs. And uh then, you know, we went through our summer months of June after they graduated, and then the flood came July 10th, as we all know. And Capstone had to, you know, kick into gear and... uh We had to close our building for a week because it was damage packed, so that was difficult for us. Well, where Uh, you are is always wet anyway. Well, yeah, you know what? I have to say, compared to everybody else or a lot of people around the area, you know, we fared very well in our building. We had some damage in the employee entrance area, the elevator shaft, and the bottom level, but my kitchen area that you saw on the shelf was fine. So that was hard because we couldn't get in at first to kind of, you know, for those of us that want to just jump into action and help and get out there, right? But enough ministries and Salvation Army and American Red Cross and a bunch of people came to downtown Berry, of course, and and helped, and in Montpelier, of course, there's lots going on. But, you know, um I was facilitating from home, as it was all of Capstone, you know, doing what they could do. And, you know, moved food around and partnered up with Enough Ministries and Chef Emma at National Life. And we have been preparing meals, you know, to help support enough ministries, get them out to the community. So, on top of what we do every day with our meal preparation, we've been adding that in. And I've sort of been a hub for food sourcing for that with Emma and creating, you know, another 400 meals a week to go to Enough Ministries. So we're doing probably like six hundred meals a week. Oh my god! Seven together with all of that, you know. So you were
1: able to bring your food to other places, right? Is that
2: yes? So that was part of it, right? Like the electricity had to be shut off for a bit, and da da da, and things like that. So you know, you worry about like the as a chef always, you worry about your product anyway, right? Utilization of that and making sure that it stays safe and and um, doesn't go bad, but. You know, so I'm sitting at home going, Well, I just got a beautiful order in of produce for a special delivery that we do to Orange County Parent Child Center every other week. We've been doing that for a while since COVID, supporting them down there and we bring um trash produce to them and I was like, Where's it gonna go? So you know, facilities manager Dave Fowler here at Capstone was awesome and helps out a lot and you know, we, we got that stuff moved and used. So Emma took it and processed it and used it and it turned into meals for you know, people who really need them. So it, it, it's just a lot of time on the phone. And, you know, thank goodness for cell phones and Pat. I don't know if I would <laughs> ever say that. But, you know, <laughs> actually, now I'm grateful so I have, have one.
1: <laughs> were you able to, to turn all of this work into a class and to um, experience? Well, now training. I am,
2: yeah. So now we have students. We just started a class last uh, Monday on the 7th. Okay. I have uh, four awesome students, and then I have another one, possibly starting this week so that's fantastic um from all facets of life which is a really diverse class i love that um culturally and whatever demographically um and so they're going to be integrated right into that production is what happens so they're my staff now right they're part of my staff now so you know they come in and they we're learning the ropes right now it's only day four for them with me they had a you know, personal financial management class with our micro business program and Rosie Manning yesterday, which was awesome. So, you know, they, they get other skills besides cooking, which is great here at Capstone in this community kitchen class. But, you know, they're going to integrate right into making meals and operating the shelf and helping us with the kitchen ops right away. And that's part of their education. Absolutely. Live hands on like Necky, you know. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, that reminds me. You have
1: got to tell people a little bit of your background. You have got. You've Uh, been working everywhere. I swear, It was just so exciting to listen to you. you (laughs) It is
2: kind of crazy. Ah, Thank you you very much, Pat. Yeah, no, I have a lot of experience. I'm a local girl. Um, well, family migrated from Connecticut in 1980. My father fell in love with Montgomery, Vermont, which is at the base of Jay Peak. Um, it's about seven miles from the Sutton Canadian border. And we were very fortunate to grow up there in a beautiful, cultural little town. Um, great food. I don't think I ever had a bad dinner my whole life there. Everybody's a good cook. Kudos to Montgomery. Um, but, yeah, and I left when I was 18 and traveled around the country and cooked everywhere, you know, just kind of doing doing jobs here and there because I really wanted to learn. And I ended up taking a manager's position in a big breakfast and lunch place in Minneapolis, Minnesota for a long time. So I was there for eight years. And then I moved back to Montgomery in 96 and took a job at a place called the Belfry on 240, 242 on the way to Jay Peak. And that place has been there for about 70 years now or longer yeah. as an old schoolhouse renovated into a restaurant. So it's a really cool place to stop if anybody's up there. Um But. I was the chef there for a few years, and then decided I wanted to further my education. I got some really good tips, Pat, cooking on the line, you know, <laughs> from people—literally um, cash tips, like hundred-dollar bills, best steak I ever had, you know. And people travel from all over to come ski at day. So I said, "Well, maybe I'm good at this." So I went to school with Steph Michel and Fran Boy at New England Culinary Institute. It was the best thing, one of the best things I ever did, you know. If not, I love it, Well, we, we, yeah, about I love you too so much. I was a real fan. Soul. Yeah, you know, and Ellen too, and the whole family and the whole concept. It was yep. just a, it's a beautiful vision. And hi, Necky chefs. I miss you guys. I know we're all <laughs> awesome and still in touch, but I do miss you guys. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of us around and we're all doing different things. Like Chef Emma is the chef at National Life. Martha Franklin is over at Norwich. Dan Tavers at Norwich. You know, there's a lot of us around still and still doing what we can in the community to help, you know? Um, but yeah, so I left. Necky. After doing all kinds of things, taught every class there, loved it, jumped on the bandwagon and did some admissions for them and recruitment for years and then did some corporate training for them as well. Um, So it was just a real great experience. Since then, I have been teaching here for four years almost. Yay, Capstone. Love the mission. Love what we do with weatherization and Head Start and housing programs and help with um, emergency assistance for utilities and things like that. The Fuel Your Neighbors program, as you know, is huge. Um, so it's a great mission here and to be able to teach and utilize food that would normally go in the garbage. So we do a lot of that. Right. It's, a, right. it's a partnership with the food bank, my program, and we resource food from community harvest, from grocery stores. We have a meat delivery every Monday. You know, So we, we take the things off the shelves that people – you know, can't have on the shelves and, you know, turn those into great meals and give produce out in my in the food shelf. So the food shelf's great. It's open Monday, Wednesday, Friday till three in the afternoon. Um, and it's like a little market now. You can come in and shop, which is awesome. You know, it gives you choice and creates some dignity and things like that. So I love Doing what I do. So I think That's everything great. that I've done with catering and owning my own restaurant and, stove and doing a bunch of things in my career, and, you know, um, I think it's all culminated into this present time. You know what I mean? It All, all yeah. of those skills come together and help me here. I'm here with Joey
1: Butendorf, who's the Senior Chef Instructor at Capstone Community Kitchen Academy in Barrie. And, Joey, just two questions. One is, did yeah. you not work at a resort at one point?
2: oh yeah I was the exact yeah. chef at jpeak for three years that's it. two and a well, half I years i thought so yep. and i
1: was trying to think how the heck you can do that that's a, that's and so many people without
2: a cell phone you can't <laughs> <laughs> no that's you funny. can i asked stephanie sell i said how did you guys do this without cell phones you know my office is a mile away from the 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 restaurant alice's table there in uh um, he laughed. He just said, you just did, you know, but that was an interesting experience. It was great. It was before it was 2013 to 2015, January or, you know, somewhere along that line. And I had left Neki to be a little closer to home at the time and had a personal transition and, and wanted to kind of, Neki was so good. Fran was so good to me yeah, in that right. way. I just want to praise him for a minute because he let me, he didn't let me, but he was—he was considerate in allowing me to explore my career, and there was always a home for me there if I needed to come back or wanted to go back or wanted to gain more skills and then bring them back to the table, you know. And that was so cool. So my experience at Jay was really challenging. It's five different restaurants, and then the concessions, which I didn't run, and the conference center that has four ballrooms, you know, that you can do multiple weddings at a time. So I really wanted to prove to myself as a growth thing that I could, you know, kind of get people to jump on my bus and arrange kitchens and write menus and do all those things at once a night. And it was great. It was a great experience for that. I left right before the EB-5 thing hit uh, that Uh, that spring. And so I was in the winter. So I'm really grateful for that. And, you know, Fran was calling me and, Wanting me to come back. So that was part of it. I mean, Neki's always been a amaz- massive home for me. So it was, uh, you know, it just clicked for me the DNA of Neki. And I think for the 8,000 alumni we have out there, it's, they're doing great things, you know. Well, so, I, was, yeah. I was telling folks
1: before you joined us that you told me that the chef community is very tight, very supportive mm-hmm. of each other, sort of bailing yes. each other out uh, when needed. And I yes.
2: think that sounds yes. like a great career. Yeah, when I started here four years ago, Neki was sort of, um, finishing up. And, um, you know, we support each other a lot. Chef Adrian Westrup has volunteered here for years since that time. Um, Andre Bernier and I talked to each other. You know, we all, we all supported each other during COVID. Chefs made meals and dropped them off here. Um, Chef Jim Birmingham, who is part of the, you know, school system in the area, he, he and I see each other a lot, you know, we scratch each other's back. It's a cult. It's a cult. (laughs) It's a a cult culture, you know, like it's one of those things. And I think teaching chefs are, are a different breed too. You know, we, we take the time and have the passion and, you know, want to, want to help people understand versus, you know, being in the industry where it's really busy and you're running on tight crews and it's really hard to, um, you know, really, really mentor and teach you can be a good leader you know but it's hard to mentor and teach so i think those of us that are production chefs and teaching chefs are you know pretty rare forms so we stick together you know that's great well it's interesting to hear
1: because you obviously are working um isolated a little bit at capstone as every other chef is in their restaurant doing their thing yeah
2: yeah it's great to hear that you're all
1: somehow you're bound together
2: Yeah, you know, I think it's just, it's a, you know what it is? It's, it's a, it's like art, right, Pat? Or it's like music, or it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a language that's understood, you know, what we do as chefs. And, and I think I, it even shocks me today to say that I'm a chef. It really does, Pat. I mean, I have humility. And I say, man, I'm just a really good cook, you know. <laughs> but but then I realized, like, you know, there's 30 years under my belt of doing stuff. And half of that is teaching, you know. And half of that was teaching with some of the best master chefs in the world, you know. And that's an amazing thing. And learning from all the chefs I'm even talking to, working with Jim Birmingham, you know, we're the same age. And we grew up in the industry together working at Traps first before we both even, you know, I was in culinary school. He wasn't. And there's a lot of history between all of us. I learned so much from Chef Emma just teaching her class at NECI, you know, so I have admiration and respect for them. And I think there's an underlying respect with chefs that we've earned it no matter what. And it doesn't matter if you necessarily, there's a professionalism there that's different than anywhere else I've ever worked with, you know, because you don't have to love the people, but you have a respect for them and you get the job done. And we're not there for ourselves, are we? You know, we're there to teach people. We're there to serve people. We're there to, you know, to be part of that, you know. And I think as a chef, you end up part of people's really personal, you know, events and things, funerals and weddings and gatherings and birthdays and memorials yeah. and, and all of these amazing town events and things that you do that that it just feels like the world is almost a giant big family for you when you're a chef, you know.
1: <laughs> well, I was saying it's before cool. you
2: joined us that, that
1: even if you don't go into cooking – you have learned so many skills that are transferable to other areas. Like you just mentioned, um, cooking for or preparing for four weddings at a time, that's mm-hmm. going to take organizational
2: skills to the roof. Yeah, um, and, so we teach our uh, students, you know. That's all transferable. Right, transferable skills. Exactly, Pat. You hit it right on the nose. So I have many students in the last four years since I've been at Capstone, that are not cooking, that are doing other things, you know, maybe retail, maybe working in medical offices with administrative skills, things like that. And, you know, my class really is specific in helping people get back on their feet and get back into the workforce locally, which is fantastic. And it can be any job, you know, and those skills are so important. It's learning to have a conversation like you and I are having right now again, you know, and maybe they were able to do that right out of high school and they went to college and got a bachelor's degree, but something in life set them off, off balance. And so a lot of times people come in to my class who, you know, need to learn those things or relearn those things again in time management and responsibility and multitasking and organization and, you know, writing and reading and math and all that stuff that we sort of, some of us take for granted. You know what I mean? I think it's an amazing thing to look at the big picture Behavioral stuff. What what have people been around their whole life, you know? Can they exhibit professional behavior in a certain environment? And that's really key, you know.
1: Yeah, and those are those really are skills key. any any company would want to have in an employee. So it's
2: yeah, you know, show up on time. So we have that's a ninety percent, yeah, like we have a ninety percentile placement rate, you know. And some right. of that is a lot of it is culinary, you know, because I'll I'll make a phone call, but it can be specific to you know, what that student wants to do and what the employer needs. And and that really works out for us, you know. And so I wish I had more students out there to pump into the industry big time. But, you know, you can only do so much with little classes. And hopefully, you know, hopefully that 90% stays employed and becomes, you know, a better functioning member of society with a better quality of life. That's the point, you know.
1: Uh, Joey, did you? Can you accept more students? I, for some reason, I thought you had about
2: eight or so. Yeah, uh, I can accept more students. I think this time around the flood sort of slowed things down, uh, but we right. do do a rolling admissions pat. So I have, yep. you know, more applications still coming and things like that. I just actually, while I was waiting for you, emailed somebody back who emailed me this morning about a student interested. So, you know, it's that kind of thing where it, it's like a constant thing. Um, but the flood definitely had an effect on that this time. I think some people were displaced, you know, and what are you going to do when that happens? So I had more applications to start with, and then a few dropped off, and I'm sure it's from flooding, you know, I'm sure. So, how did the Vermont Food Bank
1: do, John Sales and his gang? Are they, were they okay?
2: Oh, they were, they were awesome. I mean, it's flexibility, you know, I got to, give kudos to Caleb Sugarman and the guys in the purchasing, Josh and Zach, and, you know, with distribution and stuff. And there have been a lot of meetings. I haven't really, you know, I'm not part of those meetings at the food bank, but I know there's been a lot and there's been a lot of correspondence to those of us who are their partners regarding the support that they can give. So they've been awesome. And, And Caleb, they really shifted for me, you know because I was closed for a week, they shifted a lot of orders around and stuff like that. So that was awesome. And then they really yeah. have been supportive with enough ministries and delivering food and things like that. World Central Kitchen was here, Pat, for a minute too. You oh, know. you're kidding. They, no, they hired some food trucks and they had a food truck parked at Capstone, uh, Modi mm, Poutine. It's wonderful. And that was parked at Capstone one day in Melpina in the morsel office up there. You know they all they all were there, and you know there's a there's a bit of a a uh, lot of food movement going on, but yeah, they were here for a little bit, and um they're not here now, I'm sure they're in Hawaii, i hope, oh yeah, can you <laughs> with imagine? everything going I mean... on Maui oh Aloha Maui, you know <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's uh, tragic it's, I hope they're there. But, yeah, so there's been a lot of support around the community for sure, a lot of people getting on board and doing things. And, you know, we now have, just to kind of plug the shelf, we have um, cleaning supplies, we have uh, wipes and paper towels and things that people need. So if you need that kind of stuff to help clean out your homes in Barrie or Montpelier, please come and and see us Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We can give you a pail that's actually been donated by... Who was it? It was uh, God's Pit Stop, Polly, my teaching assistant, who's a CKA okay. alum. Hi, Polly, uh, who does a fantastic job. You met him, Pat. He went and picked yep, up I did. Oh, he was. Things. I was going to hire him from my house. <laughs> <He's> fabulous. <laughs> anyway, so you know, lots of people, God's Pit Stop donated those things and needed somebody to come get them. So we did that. And we actually have things for kids, you know, buckets for kids. A couple things were donated for kids, Great. like toys and balls and coloring books and things. Because, you know, people lose that stuff. So... If you need cleaning supplies, if you need some food, please come visit us. You know. Well, I was talking about that
1: before about all the kitchens and your kitchen. How you have to clean it after something like that, particularly after <laughs> the mud and the water. Heaven only knows what's in both
2: the mud. Yeah, and the water. you know more. I mean, you can't AMR mess it, around. You've got to yeah. get down on your hands and scrub it's, it's down and dirty. A lot of work to get businesses reopened again after that. And I'm fortunate, like I said. I mean, I've had. Experiences where Ansel systems blow up, and that's a mess. It closes you for right. two or three days. So three feet of water is a whole other story. And, and kudos to Stefano and his crew over there at Morse Block and AR Market. They took pictures, and I was watching from home, and, and I just I just can imagine, guys, the mess you cleaned up. And all of, all of Barry, you know, I yep. mean, it's it's still going. It's still happening. So, Joey, one question. Um,
1: yeah. you You don't know sometimes. From day to day, what food is going to come in your door, like uh, fish or who knows what? No. How do you, as a chef, just know what to do with it to make a fabulous dinner? Um, you must have this roller Do people know what Rolodexes are these days? I don't think they do. Uh, anyway, you,
2: <laughs> you I miss have this my Rolodex in your head. Of
1: <laughs> How old yeah, I am do.
2: I? Huh? Um, I think I still have one at my desk in my office. Oh, you have day. one. Oh. I love you. I knew I liked you. Yeah, I do. And you know what else? I have one on this desk, too, and it's, like, full of business cards and stuff, too, now. Um, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, you know, I don't. I think the first day I showed up in the job with new students in 2019, I had, like, 22 Hubbard squashes left on the loading dock. And I said, oh, well, this is a great way to get anxiety out for students. Let's clean these bad boys. But, you know, um yeah, you know, sometimes random donations just come and thank you to the community. They're fantastic. We get donations from everywhere. From, We have people that just come every week and bring cases of water, you know, and people that come every week and bring toothpaste because they right. they just know, you know. So this, these are just trailer systems. But, yeah, I can come in every day and, and not know what's going on. So it's like a blind basket. But we plan as much as we can, Polly and I, with, you know, proteins and putting things together for meals. Um, But, yeah, you know, all of a sudden there'll be 10 wheels of cheese in there, and I'm like, okay, what are we going to do with that? And do we cut it up and pass it out, or do we make it into mac and cheese, or do we make it into three different things? You know, what do we do with it? And that's that's part of the challenge, as being the chef for Community Kitchen Academy, for sure. Wow. Because then you also have
1: to remember what's in your cabinets, because... You don't just use the cheese. You use the cheese with something.
2: Um, Absolutely. And, so it's like a constant thing. It's um, yeah. You know, I don't know if it ever shuts off. You know, I I have to be on a beach pat or on a golf course <laughs> to shut it off. Literally, exactly. in those two places. Yeah. I mean, my mountain's beautiful, but it, it definitely is a moving thing. I, I, it's a true dedication. I mean, you definitely give up a piece of yourself to to teach and be a chef and be part of a. Of a you know uh, non profit community orga- action organization right. and that's it's awesome. Well, it's awesome. Everybody, it's just, it's is
1: so dedicated to the people yeah. they serve. It's really, it's yeah. great just to be there. I, I get it. I am just like being there and talking to people because you can feel. The well, passion. you
2: have you have to write this date down because on October fifth you're coming to graduation, right? I am. Uh, we're going to come with the video and um, okay, we'll, uh, we'll plan it. Okay. I love it, definitely. Did definitely. you like the video,
1: by the way? Did you see it finally? I loved
2: it. It was so oh, great, you guys. Thank you so much. And I did share it with Capstone yesterday, so thank you. And, oh, that's great. Yeah, that was just a great experience. You know, we'll do that again sometime. Yes, we will. We're going we'll to do a harvest dinner, check. possibly. We've actually had some really cool things happening in uh, the, you know, Center for Economic Development is the part, is the department that I'm in. And um, we've gotten some cool grants and things over the last nice. year to uh, spend money purchasing food from local farms under certain okay. demographics, you know. So we might end up doing, like, a harvest dinner in October with a local farm, Telcom Farm. That's like an urban farm right here in Barrie, and I love it. So I'm if we do that, I'll keep you posted. You can come to that, too. Um, oh, excellent. We can it would video be kind of fun. Paper. Yeah. Yeah. So, lots of moving and shaking all the time, you know? And I think I like that, right? Like, that's my personality. I need to be, I'm a line cook like Anthony Bourdain and those guys. Oh, oh my God. So, you want to be go. busy, you know? Um, yeah. And I think all of us chefs want to be busy. We sort of, I was thinking about being on the show today and thinking about sleep, right? And I sleep really well for, you know, about wow. six and a half hours straight every night. Now, is that enough? I think everybody's different, but. We make the most out of our day, Seth. That's for sure. That's good for you. So how can our listeners help you
1: and your, and Capstone and the people that you serve? How can they help you?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, hey, if, if anybody wants to donate, that's awesome to Capstone and its programs. Please do. Um, we have a Thanksgiving pie sale coming up. Please come order some pies from us. My students, uh, and alumni and I will make them. Um, and, you know, we do holiday cookies and things. We can always take donations at the shelf as long as things are not expired over a year, Pat, you know, or, uh, that's a good thing. Um, you know, support really for Capstone, for its programs, for its patrons, for the community, you can help, you can call us and maybe find ways to volunteer out with us or with the community and help, help Barry and Montpelier clean up still, because it's going to be a while. Um, you know, that kind of stuff just helps. Promoting my program, the Community Kitchen Academy, it's fun. I am I want to do an open house before the holidays, before the okay. new start. So I'll have another start in January 2024, and we'll do three sessions again next year. I believe the nine-week model is working great. We have a nine-week model right now that is really awesome. And, you know, it's a little less than the 12-week original, and it gets students out in the industry a little bit faster, which is much needed right now. So, right. you know, that kind of stuff. Just love us and we'll love you back, you know? <laughs> That's great. Well, just clarify, Joey,
1: it's mostly packaged goods. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but you're looking for things that, like, um uh, pasta, yeah. um, yep. things canned that are goods, in boxes. Any, that,
2: yep. Things that are packaged and unopened. Um, canned goods are great. Snack stuff is great because, There's a lot going on with me and who's receiving the food right now, Pat, especially with the crisis of the flood. So I don't even know, can people cook? Do they have electricity? Do they have this? What happens to it after? So packaged foods, shelf-stable foods, we call it, like canned goods and dry goods and things like that. Um, Toiletries, for sure. Toothbrushes, you know. Um, Toothpaste, deodorant, that kind of thing we can Mm. always use. shampoo and little travel bottles is great diapers are great you guys we have lots of formula that's been donated so thank you for that um but you know cat food and cans or packages are great too pet people don't think about a lot you know the food bank's great for that because they do bring in some pet food and stuff um so yeah you know we'll take just about anything that's been packaged and not opened um blankets because it's getting colder you know i'm gonna throw that out there winter months are coming people are suffering, so, you know, maybe we'll do a mitten box, you know, we'll take mittens and hats and scarves and things like that in the upcoming months, for sure, so. Yeah, it's fall uh, time pretty
1: soon. It's going to be chilly. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God, these poor people.
2: You, you know, we're a resource for everybody in the community. We have, you know, gloves and we have masks and we have things that, you know, people may need and they may not know that we offer that stuff, so please give us a call or swing by the shelf during the open hours and ask questions, you know, and we might be able to help for
1: sure that is that's really that's great it i i coming up after you at 10 o'clock um, uh-huh. is uh the people from v dart which is the disaster animal response team that's up in the odd there's a yeah. there's a, a bunch of uh people group around vermont a couple of them that in disasters they come out and rescue the animals and um we brought up a 40 pound bag of uh dry food and I felt so good. I mean, it, yeah, for me it was just an um an extra bag I had and I I thought yeah, it just made you feel good. You,
2: giving the art of giving makes you feel good. Do good things, right? Yeah, right. And you know, you know, I think we all need to hear that, you know, I'm like Miss Optimistic, right? Like <laughs> I'm an optimistic realist, I guess, now at this point at 53 almost. <laughs> You know, we all need to keep believing in the good in the world. And when you do good things like that, Pat, even if it's one bag right. of stuff, it makes you right. feel no, it so... Was good. Just, I just, even if it's $5, them, $5 just, that you can donate, you know, it really helps to yep. any charitable organization or nonprofit organization. But, you know, $5 from 5,000 people adds up to be a lot of money, you know? Exactly. But I, and, I, and, and you know, you were talking giving, about Hawaii. And,
1: right. and Oh, my God.
2: The, the I know. It's right. the act of giving and what we could possibly do, yep. you know, to makes you feel good it's sort of a if you do it without expecting anything back you're good to go you know it's just well, satisfaction right Steph, it's been thank delightful you. to talk to you and i oh pat so i've missed you i'm you glad do. you're okay it's been a while no know? i'm good
1: i'm just a little old and the for, the mind goes on occasion but no, uh no, other stop, than that i'm fine, fine. um so we will see you around graduation time. I'll be in touch, and we'll do another yeah, show. Yeah, and swing and, um, by
2: anytime, you guys. And thanks excellent. again for the TV show. It's great. Thank you so much.
1: No, no problem. That's great. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Stay tuned for Sandra Meyerhopper who's the vice president at VDART, the Disaster Animal Response Team, right here in Barry. <laughs> Your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Joining me on the phone is Sandra Meyerhofer, who is Vice President of VDART. Sandra, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. It's so happy to be here. And I'm looking forward to talking about our our great organization. Yes, uh, well, it's amazing. And um,
1: VDART, for those of you who don't know, because I sure didn't, it stands for Disaster Animal Response Team. And we have heard i heard about VDART, I'm not sure how I heard it i was in in Barry and um talking about the animals and and what, their displacement and um apparently, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about VDART and and um what you all do and and uh it's an amazing organization so thank you. go ahead,
0: sure. So VDART, which I'll be using that acronym, stands for Vermont Disaster Animal Response Team. So that's sort of our umbrella organization. And then there's several chapters um, underneath that. Um, I happen to work with the Central Vermont chapter of the um, DART team. So we call ourselves CVDART. Um, And uh, the CVDART chapter was formed about five years ago, um, specifically to respond to disasters. So um where the, where this all started was back when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans um people um unfortunately um refused to leave their uh, homes uh. if they had pets because the shelters would not take pets and um tragically some people actually perished because they stayed home and they got flooded out um, and so after that, there was a lot of um, activity around um, making sure that pe- people had a place to bring their pets. And so in Vermont, that's our organization, and that's our primary function. That is it's so – it must be so rewarding
1: for you um, to know that you've saved all these, um, all these wonderful creatures. They're just amazing. And it's not just dogs, I read – You'll just take any any pet right right um we take
0: most pets uh we don't yeah. do anything with like farm animals or horses oh, or horse. um you know tigers or anything but uh dogs cats uh hamsters guinea pigs <laughs> rabbits we even have a facility if you have a snake we um actually have a a contact that we'll uh we can work with and they'll they'll take uh reptiles um so all pretty much any that's in the home uh that's not a farm animal um we will provide shelter for
1: so um the center who activates you um uh, is uh, is there an overarching uh, organization that when a disaster happens they get a call and they say okay center Vermont go do your thing and, and how do you how did
0: you find the odd to set up in so um the activation um is similar to the Red Cross in the sense that we do not activate for a disaster unless the governor actually requests our services. Uh And we deal directly with the state veterinarian, which you may not know there's a state veterinarian, but um, there is. And uh, she will communicate directly with our president, a woman by the name of Lisa Lemieux. And so she will contact Lisa and say, okay, you need to set up a shelter. And in this case, it was You need to set up a shelter at three o'clock on Monday afternoon of the day that the storm hit. And then Lisa will, um, communicate with our members, let us know what's going on. And, um, then we gather in this case at the, um, the BOR, which is, I don't know what it stands for, but it's the Barry ice rink. Um, and it's right next to the Barry auditorium, which is where the Red Cross set up their shelter. Um, so, basically, if the Red Cross is asked to deploy to set up a shelter, then um, we deploy as well. And then um, we have, prior to this, uh, worked with not just Barrie, but several of the towns in our area, which is primarily Washington County and um, a few towns in Orange, to have a preset location. So, the Barrie Ice ah. Rink has always been our preferred location. Um whether there's ice in there or not this time fortunately there wasn't ice um but we have those arrangements set ahead of time so we we know exactly where we're going to go
1: oh that's very helpful cuz you can go in advance and see what what you might need and not need different from other locations so and i i read that you've got a trailer just ready to go hop in the trailer and you're it'll help you get all set up
0: yeah, we actually, um, uh Lisa has it at her house, so she just hooks it up to her truck and she <laughs> brings it, and if there's no ice in the rink, we actually drive the trailer right into the rink, and that has all of our stuff in it. We have crates, food, water, um water and food dishes, blankets and sheets, cleaning supplies, a first aid kit, walkie-talkies, leashes, harnesses, toys, just about um, anything that we need to get um, get the shelter set up quickly um and run the shelter that's great so mm. uh,
1: I, what services um are there vets available too cuz like my dog if if you found her roaming around she has diabetes and i just i brought up a 40 pounds bag of um uh, diabetic food um because i had not extra but i had one there i could um, bring up to you guys and uh, obviously a lot of people brought food uh, but how like she needs insulin twice a day how would you you wouldn't know that would you if um she's got a, a chip but there's probably no way to check it any, uh, when in the middle of a disaster
0: how do you take
1: care of these animals
0: well what ha- what we do is we work very closely with the Central Vermont Humane Society um and so we actually don't take in strays directly into our shelter um oh. we're an emergency shelter and our Animals all have owners attached to them. Oh, good. So if there's actually a stray uh, that's found either by an individual or by the police or, you know, rescue person, um, that would be directed to the Humane Society. And they have a whole uh, set of protocols uh, that they use to um, uh, find try to find the owner. First thing they do is they scan for a chip, which I'm glad your your animal is chipped. Oh, yeah. um, so that way they can reach out quickly, um, but they uh, will watch the animal and um, uh, make sure that the animal is comfortable and healthy. And then if something is off, they'll try to diagnose it. If they don't um, actually have the owner there, yeah. um, and then once there's an owner attached or you know someone comes directly to us, um, we do a couple of things. Is um, one of the things is during the intake process. We ask the owner, you know, what are the medications they're on? Who is their vet? um, Do they give us the the okay to contact their vet? um, Things like that. And then we have um, on our volunteer roster, we actually have a couple of people that are in the vet business. um, And they also have helped out assessing animals. Um, And then we will administer the the medication for you uh, if you're not able to come over and do that. Um and then in addition, if for example this did happen to us, um we run out of the medication that somebody has brought, um, then we will contact their vet um or one of our other local vets that are, that's supporting us and we'll get fresh medication delivered to us so that right. um your animal can continue to have their medication um as needed. That's um, true. That's very um, important. wanted. Oh. no, go ahead. I uh, said so the other thing I wanted to mention is that um there were um, we we did have um, one animal that came in with uh, fleas, and yeah. so we worked with the Mitspa Fund, and they came in. They brought their big truck in, and we actually gave um, flea and tick medicine to all of our animals, um, and we also vaccinated them um, uh, just for rabies. But um, so we do work with our local vets also to provide additional um, vet support as needed. Sandra, it must be so comforting to the owners
1: to be able to talk to you, drop their pet off, see that they're in a great environment, and know that they're going to be well cared for. They've got a few other things on their mind these days, so <laughs> what a great service that is.
0: Yeah, it's uh, we. It's much time as we spend with the pets. We also do spend a lot of time actually with the owners, and oh. um, especially the first couple of days when they came in, um, you know, there. I remember the first night. The owners, as well as the pets, were just completely drenched. You know, a lot of them had just grabbed their animals and run out of the house as, as the floodwaters came in. And so, when they get to us at the um, ice rink in Barry, um, you know, they're very stressed out, both the people and the animals. Um, and we're able to uh, meet with them, talk with them, explain how how we're going to take care of their animals um in one case i actually showed uh one of the owners the, the facility itself so she could have mm. some comfort that you know we were going to take good care of her animals and so we spent a lot of time with the owners and then especially um the ones that are were staying at the red cross shelter we might see them you know twice a day or one time a day or in some cases three times a day um when they come over and visit their animals and so we really have a chance to talk to them and get to know them and understand what some of the struggles are they're going through and so it's just another place they can go and get some help so even though our focus is primarily on the animals it does end up being a lot of focus on people
1: well and i mean they're going through so much how long do are you able to keep individual animals because some of these people may not have a place
0: to stay for quite a while yeah. So what we do is we're open um, for the same duration as the Red Cross shelter. So in this case, we were open for three and a half weeks. Um, we had about 70 animals come through our shelter. I think it was 37 different families. Um, and, and the initial wave, the first day, um, we had a, a 23 animals come through. Um, but by the next day, several of those animals started to home because people were able to get back in their homes. But we did have a lot of long-term um, clients uh, mm-hmm. who were either staying at the shelter or they were staying in a place temporarily where they couldn't bring their pets. So right. some of our animals were, were with us the entire time. And mm-hmm. then in the last week, as as we had heard that the shelter, okay, it's going to be closing on on this coming Friday, um, we actually worked with the owners to find um uh, we, we helped direct them to some housing resources that they hadn't, uh, had gotten access to previously. So a number of our customers were able to get into hotels that allowed pets. Great. Um, and then we also worked with our, um, state organization and some folks actually from the, the state itself, um, to find potential foster parents or fo- foster owners and, um, or boarding facilities. Um and so a couple of our animals did go into foster so they're still being cared for by volunteers. Um but everybody else um all the other animals were able to go either with the owners or to um an owner's family or friends or right. you know that that type of thing. Cuz it must be so confusing
1: for them um in a new place, new people and you know going from one place to another must be very difficult for the for the owners i love i yeah. love the pictures on facebook and other and other places where you know somebody's been separated from their animal for sometimes up to a year and when they recognize their owners they just go completely bonkers and it's, yeah. it, it just makes you cry it's so it's so cool so you were talking yeah. before the break about a, an animal came in with fleas and and i didn't catch who did you call who came to
0: Work with the animals? Yep. So um we have been working with the Mitzvah Fund. Mitzvah? Um Mitzvah. Um this is a um a low cost um veterinary service. Um we first um became aware of them because they started um going to downtown Montpelier, I believe it was on Fridays, and offering vet oh. service to Montpelier residents um who couldn't afford to take their pets to um a vet. Um, Great. a, you know, private vet. And so we started conversations with them just because they were there. And so during this, um, emergency sheltering situation, uh, we called upon, uh, Deb Glotman and several others from the Mitzvah Fund to come over and, and help us. Cause we did have a few pets that, um, showed signs of being sick. Um, and then we also, once we had the, um, the animal come in that did have fleas, we, um, in, in consultation with them decided to administer flea and tick medication to all of our animals just so nothing got, you know, transferred or anything. And they brought over their big truck and we worked one day we worked until after midnight, um wow. Having all the animals um assessed by by the team and whatever the appropriate um medication administered was. So they they've been I, absolutely I have to have awesome. them on the
1: show. I I haven't heard of them that's great. I think they would
0: be great for your show. It's the noise of oh, fund. So. I can um get you the, their contact information.
1: it sounds like a uh, Hebrew word, I know, but it's I'm assuming yep. it's, it's not. It must stand for something. Um anyway, uh, I uh, don't know. <laughs> I know I'll I'll ask them, but that's a that's a great lead. Thank you. That sounds fabulous. Um so uh you were talking about it this all started with Katrina and um people are required to have a group like yours are they not states um that it's a it's a requirement it's yes uh, so funding from yep. FEMA
0: mhm so what happened was after katrina um you know when they were the various powers that be were doing debriefing um they realized that one you know one of the failures was not having a place a safe place for people to bring their pets and so For many of us who are pet owners, I know you are as well, your pets are your family. It's not just some four-legged animal. They're they're your family, and you're not going to leave them in a a disaster. Um, And so, as I said before, unfortunately, people actually perished because they stayed with their animals. Um, And so after Katrina, um, the the government passed uh, an act called the Pets Act, that basically says that a community, in order for a community to receive FEMA support, their emergency management plan needs to address pets. So every town has an emergency management plan. And so now after after the Pets Act, they needed to make sure that they had some place for people's pets to go. And we as an organization, we've actually worked with several of the towns in our area to make sure that they understand um, this requirement and they understand, you know, what the plan is and how we can support that particular town. And so um, we're, we're in really good shape in you know, in, in Vermont um, as far as uh, uh, complying with, with that act. And then it also um, gives the towns the opportunity to, to know us and realize that yes, we are here to help the people and their pets in, in their communities. That is great. Awesome. Um,
1: i got to check with my own town. I'm sure they do, but I, I've never thought about it, and same on me. Um, I also um, noted on your website that Vermont has the highest pet ownership rate of any state in the nation, another first for Vermont. That
0: is amazing. I mean, seriously. Yeah, I, I think Vermont... 70% of the households have pets. Yep. Yep. Can you imagine that?
1: Yeah. And more, not, probably more than one. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, a lot have one. I've got a dog and a cat, and I'm sure a lot of people have two and three dogs. and Wow. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So yep. I have to compliment you. You have gone, and everybody's got to check this. I have been starting to figure out how to get the word out about go bags for people because mm-hmm. years ago I have no idea why I did this. I, I cannot remember what prompted me to do this. But I actually had a go-bag um, by my bed, and it had all the stuff you're supposed to have in it, your important papers, your list of, me- of medicines, your your phone list, because um, I don't even remember if I had a cell phone back then. That was cool.
3: But um, and,
1: and change of clothes, stuff, you know, stuff, toiletries, blah, blah, blah. And so in an emergency, you pick up the bag, and you have money in it and that stuff, and you can get yourself through it a couple of days in a hotel or whatever, and you have a amazing list on your website about dogs and let the dog have a go bag. And I thought, what a, what a great idea. And you've just mm-hmm. got to sit down and do it, sit it by your bed, and leave it there. Because what I did over the years was... You know, start to pick, and finally I just I just finally get. Particularly the money went first, I'm sure. But um, you know, I, I just stopped doing it. And after this particular disaster that we we, I just thought I should really get people to think about go bags, because I'm sure it would alleviate, certainly alleviate a lot of problems for the dogs, and it would alleviate for if you've got kids, what a, and you've got I don't know how many twenty maybe. You've got go-bags for all these animals, one of which was the reptile list, and I passed right over that. But um, it was a wonderful list things I wouldn't even have thought about, so I would encourage
0: people to think about stuff like this. Right, and when you're actually evacuating, that's not the time to figure out what you need to bring. No, Um yeah. You know we our experience was during that especially during the first day of flooding the first twenty four hours you know animals came in just being carried by their owners with without leashes, not in carriers, yep. no food or medication because they did have to leave very suddenly and obviously that's a priority. but had they had um a go bag with yep. some basic essentials they could you could have just grabbed that bag, grabbed your animal, and you know been yep. out the door and so one of the things that that um c b dart does is we try to do a lot of community education, so we go to a number of events, and we've created these these go bags and um, try to educate the, the public on okay, you know you need to be prepared to leave the house suddenly with with your animals, um, and so yes, on our website. So our, our website is Vermont Dart dot O-R-G, So Vermont Dart dot and uh, we have a ton of really great resources um but in the go bag, we do you know suggest you include you know your contact information, including an emergency contact in case you can't be contacted um you know uh, something to uh a crate a leash a carrier collar um right. preferably with your pet's name on it, some amount of food and water, uh medications are really important. Vaccination records are also really important because when animals come to us, uh, we don't necessarily know what their vaccine record is. We do ask the owners, but the owners don't always remember. And if you don't have it written down in your go bag, um, you know, we may in you know, in our case, we probably gave rabies vaccinations to animals that already had them, which is not a problem, but yeah know right. we cause we didn't necessarily know if if an animal had a current rabies vaccination, Sandra, are you still in the audit, or have you um no we that down? Sh- we shut down um a week um Wait, we can go friday yep you told me and that we correct. actually closed up the shelter on saturday and cleaned up the uh the auditorium so we've been we've been closed for um actually yeah we've been closed for um a little over a week.
1: Wow, great. That's right. And you've placed uh, animals where they could be taken care of until their um, owners can come and get them. Um, Yeah. I must tell you, I've gotten this passion now about these go-bags, and I'm trying to figure out how to talk about them. Uh, There's a lot of information on the the Internet about uh, people go-bags. And your Mm -hmm. website, and you gave us the the website, has got... Detailed information about go bags for the kind of animals you have, and uh, um, we've passed over the reptile one. Ugh.
3: Um,
1: <laughs> not for me.
0: Reptiles are good. To... All they need is a is a bucket and a uh, like a twenty uh, five gallon paint bucket, clean obviously, yeah. and a pillowcase to so put a snake in a pillowcase. And
3: uh-huh.
1: Just put them in
0: the bucket, and they're good for a couple of days. There you
1: go. <laughs> Thank you for that information. <laughs> if I ever have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> They'd have to pick me up, put me somewhere. Um, it's not my favorite animal. Um, they just show up. You know, you don't know they're there, and all of a sudden they're zipping past yeah. you and scares me to death. But anyway, go bags are. I I'm kicking myself because I didn't think about. And I would be the one running into the fire to save Coco. So um, mm. I just I, I I imagine what people think about their animals, and I've heard some terrible stories down in Hawaii um uh, they just did a, a show the other day talking about this exact thing and what people have done to protect their animals and and which has in turn injured them and mm-hmm. um because they are there our children just about yep <clears throat> and yep. they're very important parts of our family <clears throat> so um I would just encourage people and it's going to take a while to put this the the list for the dogs is pretty, especially the first aid kit part is pretty lengthy. So it's it's a commitment. You have to sit and do it. Um, yeah. And uh, you yeah. know the food and blah blah blah. Um, and I and now so now, if there's no, see I I get worried about the insulin because although I heard from a vet that if it's not refrigerated, it doesn't it just lessens its um, potency. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It still does. It still has an effect, but it's not as like I give her 15 right. units, yeah. and maybe it's an impact of a 10 unit uh, shot, um, but right. could help her. Anyway. And, and that may know. be
0: something that you're not going to be able to pre put into right. your go bag. Um, and again, like if, if 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 your dog were to come to us and you didn't have your insulin, you know, we do have vets around that would provide that for us. Oh, good. Great. Um,
1: but, yeah.
0: Um, so we just yeah, take care of that. that. She
1: would be sick without it. So, um, yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of dogs that uh, that have diabetes and, and other things. And, and cats um, as well. A lot of cats have it too. Oh, really? That's yep. interesting.
2: hmm
1: um, Huh. What? I wonder what that is. Um, anyway, um, so... I'm glad that you're out talking to people, because if you're talking about pet go-bags, they may mentally think, hey, how about me and my kids, and uh, Mm -hmm. start to think about go-bags for themselves. It was a big deal, Um, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago. um, They they all talked about go-bags, and you don't hear about it anymore. I think they should start the
0: discussion up again. Um, Unfortunately, given, you know, where we are with climate change and everything, there seems to, I mean, this summer seems to be, there's a, been a lot of disasters across the country. So yes, it's just for something sure. that, that for you and your pets is just a really good thing to have. Yeah, no, and, and you don't think about it, sadly,
1: as to, like you were saying, as you're running out the door um, mm-hmm. and uh, you just grab them and go. Um, right. And so here's a, here's a question for you. Um, what do you do when there's no disaster? You've got all these volunteers willing
0: to help. What do you do? That is an awesome question. I love that question. Um, so we have a couple of um a couple of things that we focus on. And fortunately, this is this has been the first disaster that we've had to we where we've actively had pets. Um we've been in as I said before, we've been in existence for about 5 years our chapter. Um twice before we did set up a, a very very small shelter with just like two kennels, um, but we didn't have any um, pets come in. So this, you know, in five years, fortunately, was the first time that we did have to have pets. So we actually hope that we don't have to be activated, um, but we do train a lot. Um, That's the biggest thing that we do. We meet once a month as a full team, um, and we train on various aspects of sheltering. Some of it's more classroom-type training, and some of it's hands-on. So for example, we've done leash training um with uh with live dogs where we've set up crates and we have one of um our volunteers is a dog trainer and so she's really helped us out as far as what's the proper way to get a dog in in and out of a crate and how, how should they be walked in safely because the last thing we want is for, you know, an animal to escape. Um and so we have some hands-on training. We did actually—you wouldn't have gone to this—but we actually had someone come in and taught us the basics of how to care for a reptile. Um, mm. We practice setting up the shelter and setting up the kennels and talking about the layout of where we want everything. Um, we also had one of our amazing volunteers has designed and built a application. Um, that has allowed us to pretty much get rid of all of our paper, and so we practice um, how to um, register an animal when they first come to us using this computer system, and what are the things that we know, and how do we keep track of um, the daily uh, care that we offer these these pets in the computer so we always know what 's happened what 's going to happen, um, you know the status with any, any one pet um, so we train on all aspects of um, the actual sheltering environment. And that really allowed us to go from zero to 60 in a very short period of time. And we we had an active shelter up and running in about an hour, which Mm -hmm. if we hadn't trained as much as we did, we would have been running around like chickens with our heads cut off. Um, And then we also do classroom training. So, for example, we had um, a session – Um, on what's called zoonotics, which is um, diseases that can transmit from uh, animals to humans. And so Mm. we've trained on um, how to protect ourselves and what to look for and that type of thing. Um, We have also had a session, um, which came in really handy this time, on how to help owners emotionally through this stressful time. Um, And so various other trainings. So we spend a lot of time, you know, once a month we meet for two hours, um, to do some kind of training. And then our other main mission that we have um, is community outreach. And we talked quite a bit about the go bags and we do attend usually four or five summer events where we have a table and we hand out starter go bags, um, which have, we've had some sponsors, including State Farm, um, give us some materials. Uh, and we talk to attendees about preparing for an emergency. Some of the events that we've gone to include the um, Central Vermont Humane Society Walk for Animals. We've gone to the Waterbury's NQID Parade. We go to the National Life Groups Do Good Fest. We try to hit up a couple of farmers markets throughout the season. Um, So any anytime we can get to a you know a group of people where we can talk to them about preparing for a disaster, and then we also um, pivoted a little bit during COVID. And we realized that there was a huge need um, throughout our community um, for uh, dog and cat food, because a lot of people, if you remember during COVID, lost their jobs and um, were in very limited incomes. And during those first two years of COVID, we delivered over $40,000 worth of dog and cat food to our local food pantries. So we kind of, we pivoted there. That wasn't exactly within our mission, but it was something where we recognized there was a major need in our community, right. and so we worked uh, with a variety of partners to organize that. That's great. Wow, I hope people are listening and
1: getting interested in, in helping and volunteering, because I have a feeling when there's a disaster like we just had, there's not a thing called too many volunteers, so um, what would, yeah. if somebody's interested, what does, should they do, Sandra?
0: So um, they should go to the vermontdart.org website and there is a, um, a tab for volunteer and that'll just walk you through how to submit a volunteer, uh, application. Okay. Um, we did have a number of people come to our shelter offering to volunteer and we had, um, uh, you know, we, because we're caring for people's animals, we do need to make sure that our volunteers are all well trained in handling right. animals. Um, but we had other things like we had a great team of people that did laundry for us. So we use a lot of blankets and sheets and, um, fleece things so that the animals are comfortable and, you know, they get wet and they get dirty. And and so we had, um, a couple of folks that we called our laundry brigade and they took our laundry out and, and cleaned it. So they didn't even have to handle any of the animals. Um, and we did have a few volunteers come in that had a lot of animal experience and we did a quick orientation for them and a quick training and then they they could come in and help us you know feed and water and clean and all the other things that we needed to do um but yeah you'll want to go to um vermont dart dot o-r-g and there's a tab for volunteering Sandra, um just curious what happens at nighttime? So because we do have animals in the shelter, um, we do provide uh 24 hour coverage oh. and, um, we, it's primarily for security purposes, but also, um, you know, if one of the animals is in distress, someone is there to, to hear it. So, um, we do have a shift that ran from 8 PM to 8 AM. Um, oh. and, uh, We were very fortunate. One of our volunteers brought in their small RV, so we actually had a nice, comfortable bed to uh, sleep in (laughs) because we were allowed to sleep as long as there was nothing going on. Um, So what happens is um, we we have a set schedule throughout the day, and um, about 730 at night, we finish up with the last activity, which is um, walking the dogs one more time before we put them to sleep. And then uh, by 8 o'clock, we have shut all the lights off. And then whoever's on the night shift um, basically is kind of free to do what they want. I I brought my um, laptop in, and I watched my TV shows for an hour or two and then um, went to bed. And I was fortunate I didn't get uh, interrupted any night I was there. Um, And then at 6 o'clock in the morning, we get up, and whoever's on call gets uh, the Gets the dogs out for their first round of dog walking. And then, uh, seven o'clock in the morning, we open the doors for our first uh, round of owner visitation. And then the day goes. Um, so yeah, we had somebody overnight. The first couple of nights, we actually had two people staying overnight because, um, in case we got any new animals coming in, um, when we we're still in the, the, the very early stages of the disaster the first night, Monday night, we actually took in animals up until 2 o'clock in the morning.
1: Oh, and, wow. You know, people
0: were having, you know, they're having to leave their houses in the middle of the night, yeah. and so we were there to take their animals.
1: I can't, I think, knock on wood, I have never experienced anything um, like what people have experienced, and I to say I would could imagine, I can't imagine, because it must be horrible, Uh to not to know what you're going to come back to, that's that's what would get to me the most i think to make sure that everybody yeah. i know is 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 safe and that the animals are safe and what do you do when mm-hmm. you get an animal that's not cooperating is that a, a muzzle sort of situation just or uh, they have a thing in the vets that i've used with coco when she first got diagnosed she had to have some interesting procedures that it's um it's a spray that kind of calms
0: calms them down mm mm-hmm. Do you do you yes, do that kind of stuff there's a just couple to keep of things calm? um first off we if if a, an if animal is known to be aggressive, so if a dog comes in and has bitten people uh. um we unfortunately we can't take that animal it's just it's right. too dangerous for the volunteers um right. but for for the for the majority and we we really didn't have any of that situation um this year, but we did have a number of highly anxious animals. Um, and so one of the one of the things is um, as much as possible we have the owners come over and actually especially with dogs um, walk them themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, when if, if the owner's not available um, and we have an anxious dog, we typically have two of our volunteers walking them at the same time. So they put two leashes on,
2: oh, and cool. that, that
0: that you know gives us a little bit more control and you know make sure the dog doesn't escape and you know things like that um we also work with the owners if, if an animal is highly stressed um and the owners are okay with it we we do have some animal um anxiety medication that we yeah. uh get from the vet um and then we can administer that because um that really does help um mm-hmm. significantly um and things just like having a routine so you know they get walked three or three or four times a day um in the in the morning, at middle of the day, in the evening, but then in between we have quiet time. So we shut down the lights. We even the volunteers try not to, you know, walk through the through the rooms that have the animals and give them time to decompress. Um, so we really try really hard to make our environment as stress free as possible because it's it's stressful enough for the animals because they're not with their people they're not in their homes they're they're in a kennel so we we try you know we give them uh, toys and and bones and um things to play with um to help reduce some of that stress um but uh yeah the the biggest thing for us is when when the owners do have the opportunity to come over and be with their animals and and we had several that were in the shelter that had cats and they would come over and they would sit sit outside the kennel or um if it, if there was only one person in there we would close the doors and they could actually take the cat out of their kennel and cuddle with their cat.
3: Oh. Um
0: and that was great for the cat, but it was you know, it's great for the people mm-hmm. too. Um so we 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 do all those kinds of things to try to again reduce the stress as much as possible.
1: That's really great. Sandra, what where do you get most of your funding? Is that FEMA or obviously I would assume you take donations?
0: Uh yeah, we don't get any funding from any government entity, um, oh. so it is all by donations. Um, we did have several people, you know, come by and, and just hand us money. Some of the people, some of the uh, owners whose pets we took care of, gave us some donations. Yep. Um, uh, for the go bags, we did have some uh, got some grants, um, but basically we're a, a, a donation run organization. And if anybody's interested in donating, again, the same website, Vermont dart.org and there's a tab for donate
2: and um Mm -hmm.
0: everything helps and um you know because we we do you know obviously the volunteers are are you know no cost but you know we have food and water and kitty litter and cleaning supplies and crates and you know just all kinds of stuff that we have to buy so we do so appreciate people um providing monetary donations well, that's great. I'm sort of laughing. FEMA requires
1: it, but I think that's called an unfunded mandate, isn't
0: it? Yes, I'm I think
1: saying. so. <laughs> something like that. Sorry, <laughs> I couldn't resist. Um, but anyway, so and obviously that list that you just gave us is something people can donate, and and
3: uh,
1: when it's particularly, I know I saw so much food that people
0: brought up uh, to the uh, and all offering. all the um, all the food actually is gone. People have come in and taken it. So one of the other things that we did, um, for for your audience information, is that we did um, have a lot of pet food donated to us, and so Mm -hmm. we just put out a table, and people could walk into that part of the shelter and just take um, dog and cat food. We had some treats. We had some litter um, just to support anybody in our community that that needed um, that support. Absolutely. Well that's great because uh, I'm sure getting getting cat food and dog food
1: is would be a problem a lot of stores are closed and um it's something they obviously need so that's great I yep. we only have a minute or two left Sandra is there anything that uh, we haven't covered that you'd like to talk about um this is so important uh, the work that you yeah. do and there's uh, now there are a couple of chapters
0: here in Vermont right there are. There's. I think there's five or six throughout Vermont. I know oh, there's one down in um, in the Brattleboro area, the Upper Valley, Rutland, Chittenden. Um, yeah. So there's there's several a- around yeah. um, Vermont.
1: Thank you to all of you for what you do. This is so important because uh, there are there are fur babies.
0: They are. They are. And I don't know what you it, call the it, snake. It's really. A it was. Mine. It was so. Um, upsetting, you know, and tragic and everything, but to be able to help these owners and these pets in this time has was extraordinarily rewarding.
1: And how great that they can come in um if they're if they're staying nearby to come in and spend time like you said, um walking and putting them in a room and letting them take their animals out and get some hugs. That'll that'll fix everybody. Yep. That's yep. really good. Sandra, I can't thank you enough and I hope that people will check out the go bag Um, I'm just hot on this idea. I think we need, and we can't let it go like I did. I need to sit down and do it again. Um, This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Don't forget to stay tuned. Um, The governor will be on at 11 to uh, get you an update on the disaster. Thank you, Sander. I hope we talk to
3: you soon.